there's a saying that today's epiphany is tomorrow's crutch. The thing that got you to your current level in a given area of your life will probably be holding you back from reaching the next level. You have found the Thinking Mind podcast. Today it's Alex and we're going to be talking about psychological growth. What is psychological growth? It's a vague term. Why it's difficult and why you should pursue it anyway. Psychological growth is something that's talked about a lot, particularly in the self-help, self-development world. And it's often talked about in quite a deceptive way, like it should be easy, easy transformations. But that really isn't the case. So we're going to delve into what psychological growth is in a more precise and defined way and why it is difficult, why it should be difficult, and lastly, why you should pursue it anyway, and what you should do with the information we describe in this episode. So firstly, what, what is psychological growth? It might be useful to think about what traits a psychologically immature person might have before we then talk about growth. So if you think about someone who's not so psychologically mature, they might be someone who isn't really good at seeing reality for how it is. They tend to put themselves at the center of a narrative where everything is about them. They're quite egocentric. They might act at the whim of their emotions, make lots of assumptions. They might take things quite personally. They might have a lot of defense mechanisms. So if they get feedback from the world, they might deny, they might project their insecurities onto other people, they might make rationalizations, so they're quite defensive. They're probably not very comfortable with vulnerability. They might not be good at building safety structures around them, like friends, family. They might not be very exploratory or self-actualizing. So they might be someone that tends to hide from the world and not actually make the most of their potential. And everyone knows someone who has a lot of potential, but really doesn't try to actualize that potential. So someone who's psychologically growing would be displaying the opposite of all those traits. They're good at seeing reality for how it is, as we discussed in the episode, reality versus fantasy. They try to make their decisions based on facts rather than conscious or unconscious assumptions. They're good at not taking things personally, seeing people for who they are. They can take their ego out of a situation. Maybe they've worked on dismantling some of their less mature defense mechanisms and maybe working on their more mature defense mechanisms. Maybe they can use humor in a dark, tragic situation. Maybe when they're faced with pain, they can sublimate that pain to produce something of value. They have safety nets around them, friends and family, and they can be exploratory, they can actualize their potential. Self-actualization is quite a commonly used term in psychotherapy, especially humanistic psychotherapy. And it was mentioned a lot by prominent psychologists like Carl Rogers and Abraham Maslow. And it's defined as the complete realization of one's potential, the development of one's abilities and an appreciation for life. So someone who is growing psychologically tends to be quite self-actualizing in that they recognize on some level that they have a unique set of qualities and traits which they can use to bring something of value to the world that only they could bring into the world. And they go about doing that. So that's kind of an overview of what psychological growth might look like. And everyone wants those things for themselves. But why is it hard? Growth is intermingled with difficulty. And that difficulty can be sought proactively 
all that difficulty can be forced upon you involuntarily. And when you face difficulty, you have a choice to use that difficulty as an opportunity to get better, to get more competent, to grow, or to let it defeat you, to put you more into a victim mindset, to see it as just another bad thing that's happening to you. Say, for example, you're stuck in a terrible relationship. That could be an opportunity for growth because it could allow you to look at your relationship style in general and think, what is wrong with my relationship style? How could I improve it? How could I get into a healthier relationship? Or you could just see your bad relationship as just another bad thing that's happened to you and a long series of bad things that's happened to you and just another example of your misfortune. The way you look at these difficult situations will be key to deciding whether or not that decision could be a catalyst for growth or not. So sometimes growth will be forced upon you. Let's say you get a very difficult medical diagnosis and that forces you to get rid of one of your defense mechanisms. Say it forces you to get rid of denial because if you deny the problem in front of you, there is no way that you can deal with that problem competently. So you have to dispense with a defense mechanism that you might have used in the past to deal with this problem. And sometimes you can introduce difficulty into your life proactively so that you can grow proactively rather than in reaction. And this is preferable. In general, successful people are making a habit of growing in different areas of their life proactively so that then when life throws them a difficult situation, they're trained, they're ready for it. In both cases, growth will be hard because it will require you to shed coping strategies that have served you well in the past and that may well have saved your life at some point. And this process really never ends. Assuming you're engaging with life dynamically, you will constantly be dispensing with coping strategies that you have used in the past to make room for new strategies that you can employ in the future. There's a saying that today's epiphany is tomorrow's crutch. The thing that got you to your current level in a given area of your life will probably be holding you back from reaching the next level. It's a bit like a snake constantly shedding its skin. So for example, let's take our socially anxious person. I often use socially anxious people as examples in these kinds of episodes because they're so so common and so useful. Let's take our socially anxious person. When he learns to leave his house, to start interacting with people, to, to gain friendships and relationships, he's moving to a new level. Previously, his main problem was, I don't have any relationships, I don't have any friendships, I'm lonely. That was the problem that he had at that level. And to overcome that, he had to adopt a set of strategies, leaving house more, facing his fears, going to parties, overcoming his fear of interacting with people, learning how to interact with people. And once he's overcome that issue, he goes to the next level. And now maybe he has friends, maybe he's in a relationship. Once he's at that level, he's going to have new problems because it doesn't stop with getting friends or getting a relationship. Now he's got new problems like how do I maintain friendships? How do I distinguish between a good friendship and a bad friendship? How do I distinguish in a good relationship and a bad relationship? And this will present its, its own set of issues. Often socially anxious people, when they actually learn how to develop relationships, they can be quite clingy and needy and they can glom on to people because they're so used to being lonely that any kind of relationship is better than no relationship. But as a result, they can then exist in friendships and relationships from quite a submissive place. And that can lead to them being taken advantage of. 
So now that they're at this next level where they have friends and relationships, they're now facing a new problem, which is how do I exist in a relationship, in a friendship from a place of autonomy and self-efficacy? And he will have to revise some of the strategies that he used to get from not having any relationships to having some, to go from having friendships and relationships, which might be a bit unhealthy, to ones which are a bit healthier. So as you can see, as you're moving through different levels in different areas of your life, you'll have to abandon ways of being that you had before. You'll have to figuratively allow parts of yourself to die, to allow new parts of you to thrive. It's a bit like an adolescent discovering his sexuality for the first time has to give up the blissful innocence of childhood. And this goes back to what we discussed before, just like growth and difficulty are intermingled with each other, in the same way life and death are intermingled with each other. To remain alive, to remain a dynamically vital creature, you will constantly have to shed parts of you which are no longer useful. Now, for people who are stagnant, for people who are stuck in some way, the prospect of allowing parts of yourself to die, figuratively, can be very frightening. But what you find in people who are very successful and who are successful not just in the short term, but sustainably successful on the long term, is they have really fallen in love with that process of continually changing, adapting, shedding the parts of themselves that are no longer useful and developing new parts of themselves. So why, should, why are we discussing this? What, what should you do with this information? If growth is something that appeals to you, it's important that you're aware of what it involves so that you can plan for it. You can become more conscious of which areas of your life you wish to pursue growth and which areas you, you wish to maintain. And that's important because you have finite time and energy. Growing too much too quickly, because it's difficult, can be very destabilizing. People with perfectionistic tendencies often feel consciously or unconsciously they need to be growing in all areas, all the time, all at once, and this can be very paralyzing and ultimately lead to less growth and less progress. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, self-help and self-development material often uses quite deceptive marketing and advertises psychological growth as quite straightforward and a linear path to happiness, you know, 30-day transformation, 90-day transformation. But it's not linear, actually, it's more cyclical. Oftentimes, you'll find that in a given area of your life, you'll make a lot of progress and then need a bit of a rest period or, or a fallow period. Again, the same happens with your physical body. You can have phases where you're training a lot and making a lot of progress and then you need rest periods to allow your body to recover because growth is a process which is taxing on your physiology. And the same is true for growth in a psychological sense as well. The other thing that marketing in the self-development world often gets wrong is that growth is more often than not, not centered around happiness, but more around a sense of meaning and an ability to dynamically handle life's problems with effectiveness, with grace, with ease. Happiness can obviously be a byproduct of growth, but it's never guaranteed. And this is helpful to know because people often pursue goals, for example, becoming wealthy, getting into a relationship, having a career they really like with the expectation that this will lead to a kind of long-lasting, easy happiness. And marketing, again, is very effective at conditioning us to expect happiness 
as opposed to meaning when we achieve our goals. Marketing often is good at tying positive emotions with material gain, even though most people who have looked at this closely realize that material gain often doesn't lend itself to happiness in a major way, certainly not in a long-lasting way. So the take-home messages are, growth is supposed to be hard because growth will allow you to deal with life's problems more effectively. Growth is intermingled with difficulty. And similarly, living a dynamic life, living in a way that's not stagnant, is intermingled with death. New parts of yourself need to grow, and for that to happen, old parts of yourself need to die. And lastly, you don't need to be growing in all areas, all of the time. There are areas of your life where you can maintain, areas of your life where you can choose to proactively grow, and sometimes areas of your life where you're forced to grow because life will throw a situation at you. But growth is hard, so you should think carefully on what areas of your life you want to be growing in and which areas you want to maintain. You are listening to the Thinking Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend or give us a rating. It really does help people to find us. If you find the podcast valuable, why not buy us a coffee to help keep us going? There's a link in the show notes. As ever, we love to hear from you and love to hear what you think. So drop us an email or get in touch on social media. Thank you so much.